Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Transatlantic Rebels podcast. My name is Jessel, and this is... Rochard. And today, we are doing a very special podcast, where Jessel will be interviewing Rochard. So, this is going to be a strange one today because um, I don't really know everything about what Rashad does. And this isn't some sort of sinister plot line to a new J.J. Abrams box set type thing. Um, but I kind of know what he does in vague ways, but not really. So, this is effectively going to be me and the listener interviewing Rashad and getting deep into exactly what he does. I know certain buzzwords like world building writing artistry but outside of that i'm kind of like <laughs> i really don't know so um i think this is going to be a really kind of interesting free-form discussion on uh, on various aspects of of well like i said artistry but also what rochard does and so i can't really wait to get into it so mr rochard what's up what do you do, man? What do I do? Okay, so <laughs> I mean, technically, technically, I'm a teacher, but um, but I'm also a writer. I was originally I, I start this way. I originally was an actor way t- a long time ago when I tried to be an actor, like when I was a young buck in my twenties. Um, and I was I was very interested in storytelling, going way back to when I was a kid. And uh, my mom took me to see Star Wars and stuff like that. So I had this ideal, like, within in me, I was, like, so fascinated by, like, the ideal of, like, being able to um, take somebody into another world, like, how I was, like, as a kid. And it kind of bit me early, because when I was a kid, it's kind of, it's, this is kind of, like, a weird fact about me. But I think I, I've been reading since I was, like, three years old. Like, my aunt, like, like, taught me to read a little bit like that. And then from that point, I was reading newspapers when I was three and stuff like that. So I already had that kind of, like, uh like that way with words already from a young age and coupling that with the fact of like my mom kind of had this thing where she used to love movies all the time. So I was a movie lover. I used to watch movies like Back to the Future and all that other stuff. And the thing that I discovered about myself is is that I, I want to be growing obsessed with the ideal of like creating things from scratch. Like kind of like being like a, a god in a way because I was a Christian and there was also that aspect of kind of like that whole ideal of like somebody creating something from scratch and make it and, and make it some kind of logical sense about the world. But the thing with movies and like novels and books and songs, stuff like that, is like, you can kind of like twist it to the way you want it to be. Cause I remember being a kid growing up in like the quote unquote, you want to call it the ghetto. I guess if people don't know what that is, like the slums or whatever you want to call it, wherever you come from um, situation where it's like, you're in this circumstance where it's like reality is like imposing itself on you. And you could only live with those boundaries. But writing and storytelling kind of gave me the idea of like, okay, now I know how the world works in certain ways. So now I can take those ideals that I got from life and what I learned. And then I can make my own world with my own rules and the rules that I make about that world. Kind of like I can kind of express myself and give the idea of what I think about how things are and how I wish the way things would be in a sense. So, um, once acting didn't work out for me, um, I had a screenplay called The Destiny Saga. And I wrote that when I was like around 19. And that was based off of like these cheesy comic strips I used to do in middle school. And I, used to, I was a terrible artist. I used to draw on those composition books. And it was like 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 mediocre like drawings. But they had like these epic stories. It was always like these stories of epic stuff where it was like ninjas and monsters and all this stuff. And I remember there was this one, this one cheesy one where I have this thing basically where... Like, any influence that comes into my mind, it kind of, like, rushes right in there, whether it's, like, Ninja Turtles or, like, Ninjas or, like, something like uh, uh, Starsky and Hutch. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, all these different ideals that come through my head, and it pours right into it. So uh, that became my original script called Destiny Saga. And so when my acting career didn't work out, my goal is to be a director, and I went back to college, or I guess you guys call it university over there. Um, yeah. And uh, I wanted to become a teacher. But my second goal was like, since I don't have a family and I have a steady girlfriend and little kids, um, on the side, 
I'm writing a novel. I'm writing a, a group of novels called the Destiny Saga, and I just transferred my original script into that book, and uh, that's where I'm at right now, trying to get that stuff off the ground. Wow, that's really interesting. So, um, so basically, you, you're kind of writing this series of novels, and it's kind of like a, a, an interlinked, you know, galaxy of various kind of com- you know ideas and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so, so how many kind of I don't know. Is this, is this like a trilogy, or is it kind of? Does it have an undefined scope, or, or what? I'll break it down to you. Okay, I'll break it down the situation. So, my this is my this is my ultimate goal. There's a, there was originally a, a trilogy. It was originally going to be like a trilogy of movies when I wrote it, but there's a trilogy, and a trilogy is basically my whole viewpoint on everything from like women to myself to religion to uh, to the different cultures coming together in the situation, like the perception of who's holy, who's not holy, and all that other stuff. But um, what happened was my mom passed away a couple years ago. And so I put, I, I, the books are basically done, pretty much. But so I decided to do like a, like a Tolkien thing, where it's kind of like my Lord of the Ring, The Hobbit kind of thing. And I kind of wrote this story called The Destiny Saga, The Bodyguard. And I kind of based the main character on my mother. And it's like, it's like, it's like a mixture of my mother and me. It's like my mother, how she grew up as a woman, black woman, growing up, going through there, and how she was like the the oldest daughter of seven kids. And my grandmother went through certain things with my grandfather, and my mother like stood took like 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 stood her ground and pretty much like helped my my grandma through my life. So it was kind of like a story of like how my mother took on responsibility at a young age and kind of never wavered until like her her dying breath, kind of thing like that. So it's kind of like I'm using that story as like a like a Hobbit kind of thing to my three part epic. So after the three part epic, which is my personal story, my goal is to be like a Michael Crichton kind of situation where it's like because the way my story works, it's got it's inter- like the way my story works is like a group of people from different races and religions around the world kind of band together and kind of rise against the idiocy of like regular man. It's like these people are the people that can actually work together and get shit done as compared to where the rest of the world kind of like has all these stupid conflicts with each other in a sense. So it's kind of like my, it's like utopia. It's like, it's like a small group of human beings that, that can attain utopia rebelling against the rest of the world, which is all fucked up and all over the place. So my goal was to after my, my three, my three books were out there and they were a reasonable success. I would hire different people of different cultures to write stories in my universe. Kind of like, if, if I have a strong fan base, so if somebody was like uh, Japanese or Chinese or uh, Indian or or Czechoslovakian or British, like they can literally take my story and write it through the lens of that culture to kind of like help kids um, understand. Because my story is going to be written from like young adult to adult. I mean, there's like underneath the surface, there's sophisticated ideals, but it's like a... Um, it's like it's like it's it's like one of the things where it's like an adventure that seems simple on the surface, but there's layers and layers to it underneath there, and it's up to the individual whether they want to get to those layers or not. So if like you want to read it like on a beach for like a sunny day and read it like an adventure, it's like okay, you could read that. But then if you really look between the surface and see all the interconnected and complex pieces that are in there, you can if you want to. So the choice is up to you. So that's my ultimate goal to like write three stories after I write this little uh, Hobbit kind of situation, and then just like be the, the the storytelling overseer and hire like people to write different stories just to make sure they stay with within the parameters of my story in a sense. That's my goal. Okay. And is there a visual element to this as well, or is this just the written word? Yeah, there's visual stuff. I actually have two websites. I mean I can throw them out right now. Um one is called the uh the book of events.com and that's like the online like encyclopedia of my universe. If any of you want to follow that. And then there's another one called The Linian Legacy. And that one is um, the fictional character I was telling you about, the one based on my mom. Her name is Karen Weathers. So it's kind of like her website. But the way it works is is that I'm... Because my story is kind of meta. There's like a meta aspect of it. If you, do you know what meta is? Do you know what a meta narrative is? Do you, is that like... It's kind of like of the day, isn't it? In a sense, it's kind of it's kind of like you're you're you're, you're co- it's like a commentary on like the story like you like there's commentary in the story that knows the story like you know it's kind of like um it's not like it's not like when you see the movies and the guy looks at the, the looks at the screen and it, like you know you're watching a movie 
into the, like Ferris Bueller. Like Ferris Bueller knows he's talking to you. It's kind of like he's yeah. Like that's a, like breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, in a um, sense, yeah. But but meta is more like a sort of a knowing wink to the yeah, to the exactly. viewer that it's kind of like I know what's going on outside of my universe yeah. and I can incorporate exactly because like in a sense like yeah. there's a one part of the story where like in the in, in the, the Hobbity story the the Hobbit prologue of what I'm writing right now is is that there's a there's a chapter at the end of the full story where it's like I'm writing this girl's story so like me Richard Scott is writing Karen Weather's story. So basically, I interview her at the end of the at the end of the book, and she's kind of like. So when a three part story comes out, it's me writing her story. Like she's breaking down like her culture and this and that. So that's how it's going to work. So on the website, it's her website, but she allows me to come on there sometimes and like express myself, kind of thing. So you go on the website, it's basically like me writing in her voice, and then at the same time, like there'll be there'll be like different posts where it's like in her voice talking about what she thinks about of the day and blah 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 like that, and then there'll be other posts like me. Like kind of like explaining how I feel and blah, blah blah, or like what I think about her world and kind of like that. So it's kind of like if you want to play along with that kind of situation, that's how it works pretty much. So if you went on those two websites that I said, thelineanlegacy.com and abookofevents.com, there's so much visual stuff in there because I have like hundreds and hundreds of artwork. I hired a bunch of art artists to kind of like draw stuff. So there's a lot of stuff you could look at on those two websites to see where I'm coming from. I got music. I got. I actually have some videos that I got posted on there. Like I did a couple of song compositions off this thing called um music um music shake and i kind of like have themes for each different character so it's like a lot of that stuff's on there too so there are audio visual components to it wow see uh, do you know what i I genuinely didn't know almost any of that i knew about linear legacy stuff and i thought (laughs) do you know what for for all these years that we've known each other through twitter and stuff i actually thought you were a visual artist who was um like doing the art to your own uh oh yeah your own kind of world yeah i didn't realize you'd actually written books and all this kind of stuff so uh, yeah shows how much attention i pay (laughs) that's that's okay because sometimes people it's so bad like some this is good we're talking about this Sometimes I have to force myself to like like ease down because there's so much stuff going on. Like sometimes I'll be trying to explain my story to people, and then they like get hooked on it. But I, I always make the mistake of like going beyond the simple hook and letting them see it for themselves. Like yeah, but then this happens and that happens. I need to calm the hell down over that sometimes because <laughs> I, I hook them and then I lose them because like then their eyes like what the hell is going on here? You know what I'm saying? I got a situation. Yeah, it's like I get so excited because they're hooked on it already. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I do. But yeah, it was, it's too hard. I give them a shout out. Uh, Vladimir Rakowski and Patricia Carmichael, they're excellent artists that help me out with that stuff. Awesome. Um, okay, so let me ask you a technical question. Okay, sure. How often do you write and what is your writing process? Well, my writing process before my mom passed away was, uh, was five pages a day. And um, what, ha- what would happen is like this, the universe is already in my head. It's already there. It's like it's it, it, it's 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 a weird it's, it's a weird mixture of concrete ideals and like and like it, and very fluid because sometimes when you write it's like you can have a, you you can have an ideal of where you want to go but if you if you're too rigid if you're too rigid with your with your with your world building and your storytelling then serendipity doesn't happen it's like okay you can sit there and type during the day and you could and like something during the day can happen to you and then that influences like what you're writing for that day but the problem is if you're like too restrictive. And you're like, okay, this is exactly where this character has to go right there. Then the character is not going to be as dynamic as you want them to be. Then, like, if, I think if somebody reads my story, it's like, okay, it's, it feels mechanical if you're, like, sticking to what you said. Like, well, I know this character is going to end up here and end up there. You can have an ideal of where you're going to go in the story, a general sense. But you kind of you should kind of let yourself sit back and just let you type and let your let your subconscious kind of, like, lead the way. Like, you have, like, a like – a, you know, it's, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a Sunday drive. It's like, okay, I'm just getting the car and I'm going to drive. I'm going to drive somewhere and let's see where it takes me. Even though you got a destination to go to, like how you get there is like, you just let that situation go like there. That's how I do it. And then um, and then your more recent process, was that more about editing it and sort of refining it? Well, I had, well, I had a, a recent block of, um, of um, writer's block because of my mom passing away. Like I know the stories yeah. in my head and because this is the toughest thing I'm ever going to write, it's kind of like I took like a like like a small little detour out of it, and now I'm building myself back up to it. So um, I think the ideal for me for this one is is um because I already have my publisher, I already have like the stuff ready for it to go out. By the, so hopefully by the end of next not next year by the end of the next school year 
which would be like May, I should have a physical copy of the book out for people to get right there. So uh, that's the goal right there. So my process right now is that basically like right now I'm going to do like my shining routine where I'm going to hold myself down in my house and just like <laughs> and just like type the hell out of it. And then once I when, then once I breathe and go, then I'll get, I then I can go something to give it to my editor and then deal with that stuff there. So the, so the, so the main part of the book should be finished by the end of Christmas, New Year's. My goal is to be done this book by New Year's. And then once I'm done this, then I'm going to do a regimen of writing like 10 pages a day and keep going the rest of my life kind of thing like that. Like discipline myself to like 10 pages a day. Unless I'm going on vacation or something like that. But then I got a laptop so I can do that stuff too. But um, that's my goal. Well, yeah, I always find it interesting because um, there's certain things that I've tried to do in my life that, and I just haven't had to discipline or the wherewithal or whatever to, to sort of finish the job on on certain things and i always find it great when someone some say someone like eminem he's he just religiously will write something every day he'll write a verse or a song every day and so does kendrick lamar and then if you're talking about you know i, I know a couple of writers and stuff and they're the same and although they used to have real struggles and it's just the act of actually writing things every day it, it's like a muscle memory that builds within you and it makes things a lot easier when you, when you kind of like, you know, it's almost like kind of doing a kata if you're into karate, you know what that is, it's, you know, it's doing the kind of training yeah. drills and stuff. Yeah, and then when that time comes, when inspiration strikes you and it really comes down to the crunch and you, then you write something worthwhile, but you, because you're, you're just used to it and oh. you're, body is trained and you literally your fingers are trained and you know how to type and you know how to get the words down quickly onto paper from your brain mm. so um so yeah i think i think there's definitely something to that you know i uh, i i guess i've i've tried to apply that to certain disciplines in my life the only time i've really done it is through djing i think okay. we've discussed by dj before and that's when i kind of drastically improved and got good and stuff but i mean now as a dj i mean there's no way on earth that i dj every day just no way i don't do it professionally <laughs> anymore like the whole time so okay but but if I did, then I think I probably would. So, um, but but yeah. So I mean, getting back to to your story. So, okay. So you're going to start writing every day, and hopefully by kind of May 2017, yes, we're looking at a physical copy, yes, of what the first part of the trilogy. No, nah, the the Hobbit version is the Hobbity kind of prologue. It's called the Disney Saga: The Bodyguard. The one about my mom. Oh, okay, that's the one that's going to come out okay. first. Okay. So I, I did check out the Linnean Legacy a long time ago, the website of that. So that's the one that pertain, pertains to that, right? Yes. All right. So let me ask you this. Okay. Um, what, are your, what are your initial ambitions um, with regards to getting it out into the wider world? Like once you've released the bird, where do you want it to fly? I, I've, I first wanted to fly into the hands of teenagers, first of all, because my belief, like for, for me as an American... And um, the way I'm a teacher and stuff like that, like my gift, I have the, I have the weirdest gift. It sometimes doesn't help me, especially when it comes to women. I have this gift. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going on this tangent for a minute. I have this gift of motivating people to, to do better, and they do it. But and let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it doesn't work for me and women so well. Sometimes I'll be trying to get with a girl, and like I'll motivate them to be better, and I like the girl. And then what happens is they mo- they they wind up doing better, but I don't get. It's, it's, this is going to sound so realistic. I hope this doesn't come off wrong. But it's like, I like the girl, and I'm generally, help, I'm generally helping them because I like them. And I'm trying to go that route with them. But then what happens is this, okay? Then they get that, then they, then they get the motivation and they move up. But then I don't achieve the other goal of trying to get with them. It's like, it's like weird. I'm like, what the hell? What's going on right here? Now, and I thought to say, like, I'm mad that I didn't get, I didn't get the relationship I wanted out with them. I'm glad that they got ahead. I'm like, damn, how does this always happen to me? Like, it happens more often than not. It's like, it's always like that. So going back to what I'm saying with that, so when I went to school with my kids, there's so many kids that I talk to that um, when, when I talk to them, I break down life and blah, blah, this and that, and they wind up doing more positive stuff with themselves. They wind up helping more people. They're more respectful and this and that. So that's my gift. So my so I think with my books, once they get out into the, like the public sphere, this is, what my, this is what my spidey senses tells me. And this is going to sound like narcissistic, but I believe if... If I dedicate myself and get this down and I put the elbow grease and get into the book out, I think that I'm going to be okay. I think that um, if, if, if that book comes out the way I want it to come out and I get it to the right people in the right hands and the right people meet me, then I think I'm good to go. And then 
stuff's going to happen because there's so many ideals that I have beyond the beyond the book that I can't say right now because that's got I got to keep those cards close to my chest. There's so many audiovisual aspects of what I want to do that go beyond just the books that I think that nobody's ever really done, but I have to keep it to my chest because intellectual property and all that crap like that. But um, my major goal is to just make sure it gets in the hands of teenagers that need it. And I think that that's going to be my initial my initial fan base. And then adults that pick up those books like how Harry Potter or Hunger Games, like they'll pick it up and, they'll, and then adults will see it at another level. Like, okay, I know what he's really talking about. It's kind of like a, a placebo of ideals. Not telling kids how to think, but to kind of like get them to see that there's different perspectives to life and then go that route. Because the one thing I hate is telling people how to think. I'd rather tell them, I'd rather say, here's a way of thinking about it. Maybe, maybe this is what I think about it, or maybe that's what I think about it. But at the same time, I'm putting my personal viewpoint on life. It's not me shoving my viewpoint down your throat. It's just telling, it's just telling you, this is how I see things. Now, whether you see things like that or not, that can spark discussion. Because kind of the best thing you can do as a writer, I believe, is there's two things. You can motivate somebody to do better, or you can spark discussion. And if you can do if you do those one of those two things or both, then I think you succeed as a writer or a storyteller. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, on a more practical level, so there is someone I know that who's now become quite a successful writer, and um, he was kind of shopping around his his um, drafts and stuff like that, but. But, you know, kept getting rejection letters, everything like that. So I, I, I just said, look, why don't you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a, it's kind of like a personal finance book. I'm sure like a lot of listeners have heard of it. Maybe not all of you have read it. It's by Robert, Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, there's this chapter in it where he's talking to this Singaporean journalist who's trying to get her books sold. And, uh, and she's, she's very artistic, esoteric, or everything. And he's like, okay, have you ever done a sales job? She's like, no. He's like, get a sales job, uh, as in like, you know, do a sales course kind of thing and learn how to sell your book. And she just bristles at this and she's like, well, you know, what the hell are you talking about? It's got nothing to do with anything, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so from memory in the book, she goes and does it and then gets like a successful uh, book launch and everything, you know, like a, what's the word? Um, not contract, but you know what I mean. She, uh, advance, advance. She gets, she's an advance. You're talking about advance she gets? Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. So, but but she she gets picked up in the first place because, you know, publishers were just not even picking up her book in the first place. So anyway, I, I said to my friend, just look, just read this book. I know you'll probably hate me for it, but just read it. And anyway, he, he actually did it, applied those sensibilities to everything and ended up getting um, getting a deal with the publishing house and has gone on to, like, great things. Um, because in the end, it's kind of like, I guess there are a lot of great writers out there, right? But... But I bet there are thousands upon millions of words of great literature that have never been read by Absolutely. more than a handful of people. Because if you can't, you know, I guess you have to adapt your thinking to how the world actually is and kind of, you know, like hack your way into the matrix just to get your foot in the door. Absolutely. Right? So, um, I mean, so what are your thoughts on that and how you're going to achieve that? Or, or, or are you already ahead? Have you already got like a... A, a lot of it is, if you, look at a, if you look at the drawings on, the, um, on the, both their websites, and, and you look at how the, how, the, how, the, how the characters look, you can tell if you're, if, if, if you're trying to do marketing that they're, that they're marketable in the sense of like they could be action figures, they could be toys, they could be poster characters, stuff like that. There's a very... I'll, I'll say this. I'm taking page uh, like the way I'm going to sell the story. I'm taking pages from George Lucas in the sense of what he did with Star Wars and how he marketed those characters, and action figures, and this and stuff like that. Because if you, because the key, and especially in this generation, is if you if you go into like a room, you're trying to sell this ideal, and you're really trying to get people on board with you. You have to you have to say that there can be sales, but this book going beyond the actual book itself. Like if this book goes in there, there can be toys on the on, there can be toys. Or in like in, a, in like a store, like right away. There's musical aspects to it. Like there's one era. It's, it's, okay, this this is the one I'm gonna give you a little tiny hit. There's four different eras in my book. Um, I could break it down a little bit. The one era is kind of like a like a quasi biblical like kung fu kind of epic kind of thing. So that's kind of like the more like the spiritual aspect. Like if you're if you're if you like spiritual storytelling and like that kind of stuff, then that era is for you. Um, there's another era which is kind of like. Like the king, like like King Arthur, like that Arthurian legends mixed with superheroes. So if you like that kind of like King Arthur stuff mixed with that kind of stuff, then you can go with that story. Um, then another era is like the modern time, 
if you prefer like the modern age, not too much, not too futuristic, not too fantasy. It's kind of like somewhere smack down the middle where it's like more relatable to our times. Then that era is for you. Then you have the fourth era, which is the futuristic era. But a lot of that futuristic era has a lot of a lot of it is music oriented. And it's, this is going to sound kind of weird. Um, the goal with that fourth era, I'm going to give a slight hint. Um, my goal with that one is to kind of have like a like a miniature music label, like commissioning people to write music for it, like actual songs and put them on compilations and get them out there pretty much with that kind of music. Kind of like kind of like a my my dream is to kind of have like a like a hip hop rock kind of thing, not like a like anything like a corner of Limp Bizkit or that other rock metal rock stuff like that, but like kind of like a healthy like flow of those with like different different ethnic flavors to it, kind of thing like that. So the fourth era is kind of like music based, and a lot of that era, besides the book, is going to be dependent on actual bands or artists or somebody coming in there commissioning them to do music and stuff for it to kind of get it out there so that one will be more like I think if I could I can't not to go into too many detail too much detail but and I, I do have a like like a elaborate plan for it and it's like detailed to like whatever but if I can pull that one off I don't think I think that's the one that I haven't seen anybody really do something like that yet when it comes to something like that so that's kind of thing but, to, but, for, but for now my aim is just for the, the young adult situation and the way that the the way that the imagery and the characters and the worlds look, all that stuff is very marketable in the sense of like a Star Wars kind of way. They kind of like toys and action figures, blah, blah blah like that. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is something a little more deeper. But in order for me to sell it to these other people to get the money that I need and the the business people I need to get to, I have to make sure that it's marketable beyond just a book. Yeah, you got to bait the hook to catch exactly. Fish, right? Yes. Yeah, so so basically, what you're saying in the fourth installment mm-hmm. is that a DJ a DJ named Jessel saves the world, right? That's that's basically what you're. Saying. Oh, you gotta look on that. You gotta look. On, <laughs> you, you gotta look on that. You, I gotta send you a link to the one to, to the one thing because there's a band. Actually, I, I can say this. There's a band. It's a futuristic band, and they have two good. They have two rhythm guitars. They have a lead guitarist. They have a drummer, and they have a DJ. So ah. yes, there you go. I'll send you the picture of it because it's like it's like all it's like it's like an all girl band, and that one is very and, and a lot. Oh, here's the other thing: a lot of this, a lot of the characters, it's like fifty fifty. It's like half male, half female. A lot of a lot of the characters, like there's a lot of fe- like a lot of fem like feminist ideals in those stories too. Especially the fourth one, yeah, that's the one like like the big time feminist. I think maybe in the fourth era, I think the majority of the main characters are women, and then the men are like the side characters. In that one, the other like the the main one, which is like the our time story, like that's my perspective. So it's going to be from a male perspective to it for to a certain extent. I mean, there's other characters, but yeah, but that one is that's the one that I think with with the music and all the the women involved in it, and in the way that I have the story, and like it's a story of two friends, oh, two women, and like it's ultimately a story of two women and how the backdrop of the story, like there's this whole entire like crazy situation going on. But it's all in service of the friendship of those two women, in a sense. And all the guys that are in that story are the side or are, are the side characters. They're not the main characters at all. And so, is this all based on inspiration from when you were younger and you kind of jotted these ideas down, or or is it kind of come to you over time? It's cumulative. It's cumulative. Because a lot yeah. of because there's certain things that came after I wrote the story that retroactively influenced the story to this. But like it's like yeah. it's like basically like my it's like my brain is I'm I'm I will say something this is gonna sound crazy, but the reason okay if if you follow me on Twitter you, you see me you see me like talking about the Marvel stuff so much now I'm this is gonna sound crazy because people's like yeah okay blah 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 whatever but when I was when I was 19 and I was in college I had literally the same ideal that what the Marvel universe is doing right now. And because I, the thing didn't work out, I had the whole thing where it's like the separate worlds, and each world had like a different. Each movie had a different feel to it. Like one was like the detective's noir, and one was like a historical epic, and other one like that. And all the movies kind of like existed in this like complex universe where like if you're a moviegoer, if you're a regular moviegoer, you can go in there and just enjoy yourself for two hours and walk away. But if you're a diehard fan, 
There's these small little things peppered all through the space that adds more depth than what people realize what it is. And that's what they're doing right now. So when I first seen, so when I first, the first couple of years when the Marvel thing came out, I was like, okay, blah, blah. But then it was like maybe the third year they were into it, I was like, they're doing the same fucking shit that I had the idea to do. <laughs> so, 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 so long story short, I, and those people like, yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. So long story short, I'm glad that I had other ideals beyond that because the fourth one, the fourth one I was talking about with the girls and the music, stuff like that, I've never, I've literally never seen anybody do anything like that before, at least in the mainstream. Because like you said before, you, there's people, there are unsung heroes throughout history where like they didn't have the opportunity to get their story told out. This story, I mean, I'm pretty sure that, like you said, there's, there's writers right now that are better than anything out there. But whatever circumstances are, whether like luck or whether where they're at or whatever like that, or their personal situation, that they just didn't make it into the public consciousness. Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's a month, I think it's October, the month of October is basically when you, there's a global challenge to write a novel in a month. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really... Uh, I think I was going to kind of try it a couple of years ago and then, and then sort of life got in the way yeah. basically. <laughs> as it does excuse, excuse, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's really fascinating because I think the challenge is basically it needs to be at least 50,000 words or something and to write it in a month. So you're looking at about like one and a half, one, you know, 1,600 words a day yeah. for 30 days, Oof. which, which is, is like, <sighs> You say, but I mean, I could, I could do that easily. You know, when I write a review, I can easily do 2000 words in, I, I mean, I could do that in like 90 minutes easily, you know, with very little editing, but obviously a novel's different. But if you're just trying to get the whole thing out of you yeah. in a month. I'm talking about the creative aspect yeah. of writing those pages. Yeah. About yeah, the, like, and then you can always you can always refine it because the challenge is just starting first of all, and and coming up with a good idea and then executing it. Um, but but you can always refine these things afterwards. So it, for you to have even written the novels in the first place is amazing, and then to kind of build in all these other factors and stuff like that. And so I mean, let me ask you this: so editing wise, because I, I don't know the literary world very well, I know music much better. Um, is it a kind of situation where, okay, you've got a publisher and then you give it to the publisher and then they kind of refine it and you go back and forth for a while and then it's ready to release into the world? That's how my situation is with the editors I got. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a couple of types of editing. There's, um, there's the practical editing where in a sense, like they just go through the, the, the um, the, the technical aspects of, of like, of like sentence structure, um, uh, punctuation, all that stuff like that. And then there's like that kind of like that like the storytelling like editing where it's like does this make sense like like does what Jane does on page fifteen make sense to Jane where she was at in page six that kind of thing like those kind of like story details and then there's like the technical details where it's like punctuation spelling and all other stuff so there's two different types of editing in a sense and those are two different those are two different like art like because I call editing artistry because it, it is artistry it's like it's, it's, it's like it's like sculpting. It's like you're chipping away like the unnecessary parts and stuff like that. So those are two different like editing arts right there. Like the more technical editing, and then there's that more like that story structure editing. Like does this make sense? Like is the is the, is, the, is the world consistent? Is is the town of East East Bumblefuck? Is that is, <laughs> you're saying if it, is it is it really totalitarian or is it kind of like it's kind of shaky in like its beliefs? Like is that is this one world like two two too straightforward like you know like sometimes like people are right and every character in that town is the same way and people don't work and life doesn't work like that like you can have people in the same town and have the same kind of ideal but they have different ways of going about that similar ideal and sometimes you can write something and everybody acts and talks the same and then that's the other thing like the voice like because you're a single writer and you're writing sometimes sometimes it's difficult everybody starts sounding the same that's another thing you have to worry about sometimes it's that voice you got to find. Like, does 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 Petey who comes from the Midwest sound like Joey that comes from New York? They're two different people from two different areas. So 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 Joey should not talk like Pete, and Pete should not talk like Joey. And Joey's background should affect him in a way that Pete's background affects in a different way. You know what I say? Stuff like that. Like like those details that get lost if you don't know what to look for. That's really, you know what? There must be just so much to think about if you're right. <laughs> like, there's like you were just talking. I was like a million things running through my head. I was like, oh my god. Uh, okay, but but it did spark off two questions. Okay. Um, first of all, what's it like being a writer of color? 
so to speak. Because because I've got I've got you know a couple of friends who are writers of color and there's there's a big kind of um, there's a big shift in in trying to get more acceptance and more prominence for like writers of color and it's a real uphill battle and I can I can completely understand what they're saying because you know you look at my Goodreads it's full of you know old white men having written something and and I'm as guilty as anyone you know so as a reader anyway. Um, but but I am trying to actively change that. So what's it like from the writer's perspective? I don't see. Here's the thing, because I know that a lot of other people have discussions with this. I'm like a pragmatist when it comes to the world. Like I just know that the I just know that the world's not fair. So I'm like that that part I don't even think about at this point. The only thing I can say, the only thing I do is I go into there. I don't even think about that. I go. I already know that there people are going to think certain ways because that's how the world is. My thing is, I, I, have, I have small goals to achieve. My, 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 the smallest goal possible I have is, is that I can make enough money to live comfortably. If I could reach, if I could reach that little goal, if I can make, like, uh, I don't know how to relate the money from here to over there. Like, if I can make, like, like enough money where it's like my family's taking care of, my wife's taking care of, we can go on reasonable trips and stuff like that, and then I can kind of give back to my community, then I already accomplished my goal right there for me. But um, but I, I I try not to do the th- the thing that I feel bad about, and I see it on Twitter a lot, is like I know that and they, and they mean well, and I know they try to get the and like I said, I, I commend them because you should be yelling that stuff right there and like okay, we need change, blah blah, this and that, and that's important because that's an important part of dialogue. And say okay, we need more voices here, here, and there. But I come from my thought comes from a thing where it's like I have to play the cards that are handed to me because here's the thing. Because if you if you start letting the world's not fair get into your head, and you really let that stuff in there, then you're never gonna get anything done. It's just not gonna happen. You just gotta keep going. Like I, like 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 I give you a prime example. Say what you want. Say what you want about uh, like a Hillary Clinton or somebody like that or something like that. But there's a, a certain amount of admiration whether she's shady or not. Because here's the thing. I'm, I'll make this argument. I'll use her as an example. It's interesting how if anybody with a brain knows how how people in power work, it's like you have to play the Game of Thrones. It's like there's there's a shady aspect to power in the upper echelons. And I find it interesting sometimes that when women try to play the Game of Thrones, then they get nitpicked a lot more than men do. Because when I see when I see and it's gonna go I'm, I'm gonna take this back to the to the to the person of color because this could actually apply to women too. If you look at, if you really look at her, she's as typical a politician as they come. Yet, people say that she's the worst politician of all time. Where we had George W. Bush and his boys starting to wonder false pretenses, and you had Richard Nixon and, and guys this, this, and that. And I look at that sometimes, and, I, and then it takes me back to like people of color. It's like you have to be ten times better than a white person or a white man to be taken seriously. And like this is Joe Chris Rock said about making money and stuff like that. He was like, "This is how it works." He's like, "If you're if you're a black man or a black person and you try to make money, he's like, if you if, if one person gets hurt and in, in, in on a way for you making money, you will be destroyed." He's like, "You wonder why Oprah gives away money, gives away those things so much and this and that because you try to keep Uncle Sam off her back because the microscope is on you. If you're a minority or a male, I mean, if you're a minority or a woman and you're coming up into a position of power." Or a situation where, like you said, white men are typically there. It's like you have to you have to be twice as good and twice as 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 sophisticated as them to even be taken seriously on a on a level. Because you because going back to that, going even using Barack right now in America, if you look if you look at Hillary and Trump, there's no way on any reasonable amount of planet whether you say they're corrupt or not that he's on her level on any level. That's that's. You have to be. You have, you have to have. You have to have her career and her discipline to be taken seriously as Donald Trump. You have to be as as sophisticated and, and accomplished as a Barack Obama to be taken seriously as any politician. You know what I'm trying to say? Like it's it's that thing right there. So I already know going into it, I have to be better than most of these. I, I, have, I know I have to be more sophisticated and better. And in my mind, not to sound arrogant, I know I'm better than most of these guys. I know this. So I'm going in there with that attitude, not to say that I'm a I'm a better person, like. On a, on a personal, like on a, on a human level, I'm not better than anybody else. But I know on a creative level, I watch these movies and I watch stuff like that. Like, I know I'm better than that. I already know that. 
So if that person get up there, then I know I can do this. I know it's going to be a tough road if I'm get going. But I do sympathize with people who get frustrated by it. But me being an act, a, a failed actor, I, I dealt with that before. So I, that experience has taught me well. Now, now that I'm older and wiser, I know what I'm walking into now. If you're young and you're doing that, that's overwhelming. That is difficult. But I think at this point, it's like all you, the only thing you can do in this life, as I know, is you can try. And if you said you put your best foot forward, that's all you can do. That's how I see it right there. But I, I kind of refuse to let myself get frustrated and expect every door to be open to me right now. Because I think about J.K. Rowling, and I think about her story and how where she was at, and her, and how how her her situation was down, and nobody took her seriously, and then she got to that point. So that's an inspiration to me in a sense. I think I take that that route more as inspiration than I take the route of um. Of just saying, um, and not saying it's a woe is me situation, but you have to look at how the world is, and you have to move accordingly to that world. Like I, I look at Puff Daddy, I look at Jay Z and them, and I'm like they didn't complain about it. They tried to find other opportunities to get in there, and they achieved their goals. You know what I'm trying to say? So that's the way I kind of see it. Yeah, and and just before I ask the second part of that question, I think the older I get, the more I see failure as something that's at least you tried. You know. It's exactly what you just said. So I kind of I kind of see it as more of a blessing now. Like you you you, you sort of refer to yourself as a failed failed actor, and um, you know I definitely refer to myself as a failed rapper because I kind of did so many good things, but then I just I did not do a whole bunch of other shit basically. But but I've taken those lessons and moved forward with life into into so many other areas. So um, I don't know. It's a blessing, man. Yeah. But um, okay. So second part of my question. So. Do you read regularly, and um, if so or not, like what what are your the sort of favorite things that you've read over your lifetime, or, <sighs> or the kind of genres or most inspirational things to you personally? I, 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 I'll, this is a two part question. I answer the, I answer the later part. Well, right now it's it's rough for me because um, it, it's weird because social media kind of slowed my reading down a little bit because it's so much da- it's so much instantaneous data coming at me on Twitter, and that I, I tend to soak that up a lot more. Because it's like right there, and it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Neo in the Matrix. It's like the, the information's right there. Let me download right there. Download, download, download. So I'm just taking in like basic, like like the steady concepts of information down in my head. But when I, but before that happened, it was it was basically everything. I used to read like fantasy novels. I read like I love I love fantasy stuff. I love biographies. Um, I love biographies of artists. I love I love them most of all, pretty much. Um, Cause that, cause that stuff kind of motivates me. Um, um, in college, I read like the classic Moby Dick, the usual stuff like uh, Invisible Man, um, Grapes of Wrath, uh, A Wrinkle in Time, uh, 1984, and there and, and of course there are certain things that are like like cause you can't read all the classics all the time. There's so I got so many blind spots. Ridiculous. I read po- poetry like Emily Dickinson, uh, stuff like that. I mean, it's basically anything that catches my interest. Like I'm not. Uh, um, I'm not really like picky when it comes to um to to reading. I'm more picky when it comes to food, but I think when it comes to art, I'm really <laughs> I'm reasonably open. I, I feel yeah, I do. I feel bad for people when when it comes to me and food because I'm like I, I eat a certain set of food and I don't really go beyond that. And people kind of get frustrated with me with that, but I feel bad. But when it comes to like art, like I'm pretty open minded. The only thing I'm, I, I wouldn't be open minded is too is if like it's it's unnecessarily like bleak and dark and dismal. Like there's no. Like, uh, uh, like that kind of crap. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, I know life is terrible, but we there's some there's some light here. We can have some light. We don't need to go like 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 everything's so terrible. Why even try? I hate that crap. That's the only thing I don't like right there. So sorry. Okay, the food thing I have to ask. Okay, and all the listeners want to know what. It, so there's like a program in the UK that that used to be on called Fussy Eaters. Are you, are you one of these fussy eaters? Oh my god, it's terrible. Like, okay, I'll, I'll say this. When, I, I, I'll qualify it with this. Whenever me and my friends go out to restaurants, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, the, decide, I'm the decided factor where we go. Because they know I'm not going to eat anywhere. They, they know that already. Like, okay, like, this is going to be terrible. Like, if I don't like the way the food looks or it smells, I'm not eating it. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a quick story. All right, so I was in my friend's house, right? And this is like I'm in high school. I'm like, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. I'm saying this the whole time, even for his mom. I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. So his mom was like, okay, I cook you guys. I'm like, okay. So um, so she cooked something. It was like spaghetti, like noodles. And she had like soy sauce and mushrooms or whatever like that. 
So I'm sitting there. And I look at it. Okay. I took one bite. I didn't like the taste, and that was good. So I, I so at so we're sitting at the table. The mom like washing the dishes, and I'm talking to my friend. I'm trying to talk my way out. Of it. I'm trying to get them to forget about me eating this food. So I'm gonna get out there. So then like a half an hour goes by. I don't touch a bite after that. And he goes, uh, Rashard, can you def- like you, you need to eat? And I look at it, and I was like, oh, I'm okay. And he's like, uh, and then his mom looked at me, and then he <laughs> he was like, and he's like he's like Rashard, you're embarrassing me. And I looked at it, and I was like, and I said, this is gonna be terrible. I was being honest though. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I just can't do it. <laughs> and from that day forward, I learned that I can't, I can't be around people's house when they eat. I just got, I have to eat before someone goes to somebody's house because I don't want that situation to happen again. Like if I don't like the smell and I don't like the, and I don't like the way it looks, or if I take one bite and I don't like the taste, I'm done. That's it. Like like when people like wow. when, I, when I watch like Anthony Bourdain and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like that's that's not me. Like I know people like, oh, let's try. Like okay, when people say they want to, like, oh, let's try a new restaurant. I'm like, can we see a movie or go to an art museum? Can we do that instead? <laughs> that's where that's where I come in right there. So I I don't know how it's gonna work out. So, <laughs> so so is it because food is more functional for you, or is it that you have such a specific set of tastes? My friend got what? mad at me because I said this line, and he was like, and he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he didn't get it. I was like, I was like, I don't live to eat. I eat to live. And that's my yeah. philosophy. And my friend was like, "What? Like, what the hell kind of saying is that? Like, what the hell?" And I was being honest. Like, like that's not like. Do I enjoy the taste of certain food? Yeah, but it's, I'm not. I'm not even willing to call a foodie. Like, if I if like if you looked at my pantry, you would see the same stuff in the refrigerator. Like, how do you eat the same stuff all the time? How do you do it? I'm like, this is how it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, okay, okay. I can understand. I mean, do you know what? I read this um, biography of Gandhi and he said exactly that. He was just like, do you know what? Food is fuel to me. And like some, so some of the people around him were like, what the fuck is this guy eating? Exactly. <laughs> you know, just like, he would like mash things up into a paste and just like, you know, like, uh, it's just, yeah. So I, I can understand that completely. His other funny things is the other funny thing is this one is, um, it's like if I'm at my job and there's free food there. And it's like, sure, I don't get anything. I'm like, I'm good. And look at me, like, what the hell is this problem? Because I have this thing. This is gonna, this is gonna be a, a, a weird thing about me. I have this thing about, like, like getting free stuff, kind of thing like that. I kind of have this thing where it's like, it's gonna be a weird psychology. I kind of feel like when, and it's not, this is not for anybody else. I'm saying this. Like, if you want, free, if you want free stuff, it's not about uh, about people who enjoy free stuff. That's cool. Like, I, I don't when I, when, I, when I talk about certain stuff like that, I'm talking about my personal f- logic. So for me, I always, I always like giving the middle finger to things. I'm like, I really do. Like, it's one of my pleasures in life. So when I was, so when I, so when I was younger, and it maybe tell me if the logic makes sense. I, I used to feel like when, when they, when, when people offered you free shit to do stuff for them, it's kind of like you're a fucking dog. And like, okay, you do this to get a Scooby Snack. So when I was a kid, you know Scooby Doo, right? Yeah. And you know Scooby Doo, they get her to do shit, you give them a Scooby Snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, when people like do stuff like, oh, yeah, if you do this, you get free food, blah, blah, this and that, or you get a free blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, when I was a kid, this is me at 12, 12 years old. You know what I said about when I figured that stuff out? I was like, fuck, motherfucker, Scooby Snack. I don't even know fucking Scooby Snack. I like your fucking dog. Fuck that. <laughs> so that's where. That's, does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to logic? So I'm like, oh, so, so, so when people offer me stuff like, oh, yeah, you do that, get free food. Or like when someone said free food, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need no free food. I'm good. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I I feel like it's, it's like I feel like it's like here you go. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. Turn over. Rub your belly, boy. That's how I feel for me. But I get why other people in, in, enjoy it. So, so, so like when I'm walking around Costco and they've got the <laughs> they're offering the little tasters of free yeah. food, like, then you just like run up to them and smack it out of their hands. I hand want to. I want. I'm like fuck your taster. That's not what I, do. I, 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 I get that shit on my own. What the hell do you want me to do? I just feel like, like, because I used to work at, like, I don't know if you have Walmarts over in um in Britain. Do you have Walmart? Well, Walmart own a big supermarket called Asda, so it's owned by Walmart. Okay. So effectively, yeah. Uh, okay, so I used to work at Walmart, and I used to sit there, and they had the when we do Christmas, and the thing where the where the uh, customers are all pouring in and like getting like like getting all of the gifts and stuff like that. So I don't know how it is over there. But they act like goddamn animals when they're coming in there going buck wild. 
this is the part of capitalism I don't like. And I looked at them, and they're all scattered around. And I'm like, oh my. It's just, I, I, I get like a, like, I just feel disgusted. I'm like, take it easy, bro. It's just merchandise. Just take it easy. So, so that's just people buying shit. So imagine people doing crazy shit for free shit. I'm like, I'm not. So my my so so my thing is fuck Scooby Snacks. I would I would trademark that and copyright it, but I probably get sued by by Hanna Barbera. But I would do a t-shirt t-shirt be like fuck. If I was to do a show and I was a musician, I would have fuck Scooby Snacks on my t-shirt. That's what I would do. So yeah. oh man. <laughs> so, that's, so that's it. So I mean, so the thing like, is, the thing is, I, I can understand that mentality for sure. Like you know, you don't want any kind of handouts and you want to you know do things, like, but. Yeah, but but as, as someone who's a foodie and um, who's someone who loves walking around Costco getting free taste, yeah, like I said, that, I have no problem. Like I but, said, like but, it's no joke. But but I do think I I completely agree. I think sometimes people take it too far. Like it, even just at Costco is that example. Yeah. Some people they kind of like circle around there three times trying to get a free lunch. That's but, what I'm you know, saying. That's yeah, only yeah. occasionally me, but mostly it's other people. Yeah. And uh, it's just I was like, like, calm down, bro. I, I can understand. I was like, although, although I have to say, you you sound slightly like Mr. Anderson from The Matrix with his disgust of the human race. Oh, you're talking about so, Mr. Uh, Mr. You're talking about Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Agent Smith. Not, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Agent Smith, not Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Um, yeah, you sound a bit Agent Smithy, like, you know. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell people, if you want a good, I'll say this. If, if anybody wants a real good idea of my personality, and if you follow me on Twitter, if you ever watch a movie called Age of Ultron, and just watch Ultron, that's just, that's pretty much me. That's how I feel about humanity. If you watch Ultron, if you watch Age of Ultron, and you watch that character, you'll get my opinion on humanity right there. I guarantee you. You're like, what the? Well, except for him trying to kill the human race off, I'm not, not that part. But other the other stuff up to leading to that kind of thing like that, yeah, that you'll get a good idea of who I of my my, my philosophy on humanity to a certain extent, at least to a, on a certain level, in a way. So yeah, but I, but I still love humanity at the same time too, even though I have those other thoughts. I'm just frustrated by like like why are we doing this? Why are we doing this dumb? Sh- and a lot of my stories a lot about that because the main the the main the villain, the villain of my story. So we can get into the story. The villain of my story is a guy named Chaos, and his whole entire thing is basically he feels sorry for the human race because the human race tries to have this good and evil bolt. Like he's like this. He's like good and evil are relevant to human beings. Like they're the same damn thing. Like human beings do things to do them, and it's like it's just not fair to say that this is humane. It's not humane because humans do that. Like humans help the old lady across the street. And humans also shoot the shoot the old lady in the head. It's like humans do both things, and it's like, and he's kind of like trying to free human beings from that binary. He was like, just be you. Like you guys restrict yourself too much. So that's what my heroes are trying to stop. And he has, he, he just feels sorry for us. He was like, if you guys just let go of that whole entire binary, you you people will be a lot more happier with yourselves. And he just doesn't understand why you're restricting yourself with the good and evil stuff. It's like they're both human. I don't. He doesn't get. He's, he's kind of offended. He's kind of offended by the ideal that hurting people is not human when humans been doing that since the beginning of the time. He's like he can't understand why humans try to fool themselves into thinking that they're better than that when their whole society is based off of fucking over other people. So he's kind of like just be yourself. He's like just be real with yourself, it's kind of like that. And my heroes kind of try to stop that stuff. And he and so he so he was kind of born from these two other beings. That are good and are pretty much the embodiment of good and evil, and they're and like he's kind of like mad at them. He's like, and you're the motherfuckers that are that are that are getting these people all riled up and crazy and this and that because he believes that the human race is schizophrenic in the wrong way. He's like, if you if you can just break that schizophrenia of good and evil and just have it be where they can do whatever you possibly feel and please, you'll be a lot better. So that's where that kind of thing. My heroes. Do believe in order and they're trying to stop that guy from doing that kind of stuff i mean there's more to it but that's kind of like where i'm coming from with that kind of thing yeah that sounds awesome that sounds really awesome i can identify with all parts of that yeah honest. um yeah but ultimately but ultimately i come ultimately at the end of the day i do believe in i, I come down the side of order and good but but i i my my thing with the story is i kind of wish people would be more real with what 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 civilization is if they were more real with themselves about what civilizations do to get to where they are, then they would be able to make the changes that need to be changed rather than buying into these ideals of, of is, 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 this is going to go right back into my issue with, with, with certain ideals of nationalism. It's like, okay, you can, be, you can be proud of your country, 
but you also got to be real and say these are the things that your country do that 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 are not right. And that's just cast. That's what I'm using the, the character of cast to kind of go with. It's kind of like okay, you you say you're you you say that you're proud of what you are and you're proud of where you come from, but you have to own. If you're gonna own, if you're gonna own your country being great, you have to own when your country's not being great. And that's and that's his problem with people. It's like you got you you got you gotta acknowledge you gotta acknowledge and take accountability for both of them. If you can't do that, then how are you going to evolve? If you're going to sit there and be in this fantasy thing where it's like your culture is great and then this culture is wrong, and same thing with another culture like this culture is great. Every culture has their fucked up situations. There's cultures that disrespect women to a high degree. There are people who abuse children. There are people who are racist. There's cultures that are, are racist towards other cultures. It's, it's crazy because even if you look at it like I, in a black community, it's like. There, there are certain, there are certain black people that don't like certain other black people. I've seen it with Asian culture. Certain Asians don't like oh, other Asians. Hell yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Sure. So for me, so my personal opinion, this goes back to the Ultron thing, and it goes back to the chaos thing. I have, I, I get annoyed because like I'm one eighth Indian, and I'm not really attached to my culture because I'm so far removed from it. But it is in my blood. It is in my blood. So I, I was interested in, in an Indian girl, and I talked to her. And she was interested in me. Like, she was, yeah, she was. But um, I remember her uncle, she telling me her uncle pulled her aside and told her, if you did a black guy, I'd kill you. But then I, but then I would hear certain Indians, like that guy, with that same attitude, say, why are these people racist towards us? But I'm like, but you're racist too. You can't sit there and get mad at them when you're doing the same shit. Mm. If you're going if, if to you're take the moral, this is my problem with moral high ground. You can't take the moral high ground if you're doing the same shit that they're doing. But in a different way, you're still doing the same shit they're doing. If you're going, to, if you're going to take that stand that you're better than that culture, then you have to own all the shit your culture's doing, and then call that out. But if you can't call that out, and you're going, and you, and you let that stuff still go by, then you're no better than that group you're complaining about. You can't take that road. You just can't do it. And that's a lot of, and that's a part of what my story's about. Yeah, I mean, that just reminds me of today. Like I was walking around Oxford Street in central London with my wife and she wanted to go to a shop, this massive shop called Primark. Like, I don't think you guys have it in America. I don't think so. But but basically they they sort of sell... It's almost like they sell um, what everyone else sells, but they just undercut the market by so much that everyone kind of flocks there. And, and a, a few years ago, it became a huge thing. Anyway, it's right at the end of Oxford Street. I had some new trainers, so my feet were hurting and stuff like that. I was like, oh, God, it's the shop that I hate. And they're very famous because they really employ, or they have traditionally employed a lot of, I call it slave labor, but, you know, a really kind of sweatshop-based things with bad working practices for kids and all this kind of stuff. So I'm kind of like, all right, fine, you can buy some tights for, like, you know, half the price somewhere else. But who's who's suffering for that, you know, who for, for your right to do that? Anyway go in and like my wife's kind of going around stuff like that and i just found a corner to basically just sit and find try and find some peaceful peace and quiet and uh, some mobile data network anyway you know i'm looking around at all this consumerism all this kind of stuff and like you know wondering what has been made by who and all this kind of stuff of course i leave the shop having bought something yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess yeah. I, i'm the ult- ultimate hypocrite yeah i can question all these things I still went in and I, I helped fund all that crap. So, and, and, and like, you know, if you extrapolate that to your world, then that's kind of what you're saying, I guess, in a way, is that it's, it's this kind of, it's this constant internal battle between, you know, so-called good, so-called evil, all these kind of things and stuff. So, um, but... And by no means am I putting myself above because this is a critique on myself too, because there's two characters that are basically like the embodiment of my, of my, um, of my, my, my light side and my dark side. Um, so it's, when I'm, when I'm doing this critique of like, of like cultures, I'm critiquing myself as well. So I'm not putting myself outside of it. Cause even, cause even the chaos guy, even though he has ideology, he's still restricted by logic. He's trying to break, he's frustrated because in order for him to achieve his goal, he has to have that, that, that binary logic of like how to achieve a goal because he has this, he has this military that he needs to, 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 to achieve his goals. But he's frustrated because he has to follow those those binaries to get it done. There has to be a there has to be good things about there has to be a good and a bad that that military understands to get stuff done. And he's frustrated about it because he's like, damn, even when I'm trying to get these people to break out of it, I'm still trapped by those binaries. Even though, so it kind of like he even gets more frustrated with that kind of thing like that. In a sense, like it's like with me, it's like I know 
that there's things that can be doing better. And I know this, but I'm still doing them. So why am I fucking doing it? It's like that. It's that frustration. It's like you, you have this ideology that you want to live up to. But at the end of the day, you, you, you fall short of it. Yeah, I understand that for sure. Every day, every damn day. Okay, well, um, that was a fascinating discussion on um, on your future plans and some of the background behind it. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us. No problem. And, and um, I mean, next time around, we'll be back to the kind of usual podcast thing. But yeah, yeah it, it's just something I've always wondered yeah. about. Exactly, <laughs> exactly kind of, you know, what was going on with you and stuff. So yeah, uh, I'm sure the listeners will kind of love it too. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much us done this week. And um, unless you have anything to add? Nah, I mean, hopefully if you guys listening, just check out to, or subscribe to the website. That'll help me out a lot. I mean, not that, I mean, it's, 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 it's I'm not going to blow up your, uh, your emails with like all these useless uh, um, posts or like that. But anybody who's relatively interested in it, uh, just please, uh, if you can, follow uh, the LineanLegacy.com uh, or um, the BookOfEvents.com or just Google Richard Scott Books or whatever like that. And I'll be, or follow me on Twitter or whatever. That's about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw up some links in the show notes as well. Cool. Thanks. All right, then. Well, it's goodbye from me, Jessel, mm-hmm. and... Brochard. And peace.